to Genesis 12. Yes, last week, that's where we were. Last week, I was talking to you about being blessed to be a blessing. The world's way is that you get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, right? The world's way is every man for himself. And I want us to look at this scripture just one more time. In Genesis 12, starting with verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the first time that the Lord tells somebody, I'm going to not only bless you, but I'm going to make you a blessing. So last week we were looking at that, some people that God had turned into a blessing, and how it was they were able to supply the needs of other people. And the Lord says, you know, he's got to bless you first in order so that you can be a blessing, you know. And so we are having a kingdom mindset of it's not just I need to be blessed because, hey, I like to be blessed, but I need to be a blessing to somebody else. I need to be an answer for somebody else's problem or somebody else's situation. So we're in a season where we're really beginning to understand that God intends for us to be a blessing to other people. You know, I remember years ago, um, my dad used to say years ago that he used to want to pray for the sick and see them healed just because he cared about them. He says, nobody has to know that I'm the one that prayed, but I want to pray and see people healed. You know, the whole thing was his heart was he wanted to be a blessing to somebody else. So folks, when you have a desire for the blessings of God, whether it's financial or whether it's spiritual gifts or whatever, it's not just so that you are personally satisfied. We understand that it's for somebody else. And the reason that you want to prophesy, the reason you want to work miracles and the reason you want to walk in strong faith is because somebody needs you to do so. Isn't that right? How many of you ever received out of somebody else being, they were a blessing, right? They they had cultivated their gifts, they had extended themselves, and they made themselves a person of resource, spiritual resource, financial resource, or whatever, so that they could be a blessing for you at the right time, all right? The Lord, first of all, is going to make us blessings by, first of all, blessing us. And so as we're in partnership with Lord, as his children and as his ambassadors, we understand that we want to identify with him and we want to handle this in the proper proper way. So therefore, we want to learn what pleases the Lord, right? You know, there's a lot of people that God has given tremendous blessings to, but they're not honoring him with their blessings. You know, I've seen some people that have had tremendous gifts of healing and faith, but they don't, but they don't want to use them. They can't be bothered. You know, it's like, no, our attitude is we want to have the same heart of the Lord. And if he has blessed us, we want to be able to be a blessing to other people. And so we're learning what does please him so that we can emulate him. Let's turn over now to Matthew chapter 25. Now, I will give you just a little heads up. This is a very pastoral message. You know, sometimes you have a real teaching message, sometimes a real evangelistic message or apostolic or prophetic message. This one is highly pastoral. You know, and that's really good because that means that pastoral messages are, generally speaking, those are the ones that feed you, not necessarily out of deep revelation, but it's something that's maybe your spiritual spinach and your green beans, something that will really make you grow up healthy and strong. Everybody like spiritual spinach? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. I want to talk to you tonight about love and action. With that premise of we're going to be blessed to become a blessing. Now I want to talk about love and action. Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. To do it to one of the brothers of the Lord. I think that is a very important statement here. The Lord says he takes it very personal when we are extending ourselves to be a blessing to somebody else. You know, there was an old story um, years ago. You probably have heard it before about the the Lord, um, excuse me, back up. A man was told that the Lord was going to come visit him one day. And in the course of the day, you know, he was all prepared. He had cleaned and he had prepared a meal. He was all excited because the Lord was going to come see him. And instead, there were three other visitors that came to his house. One was, you know, they each had some kind of need. One was hungry, so he fed them. One was cold, gave them a coat. One was some other need, and he provided for them. At the end of the day, he was like, Lord, you told me you'd come see me today, and you didn't. He says, I did come see you three times today. And every time... When you gave to them, it was as though you gave to me. And so the Lord takes it very personal, the things that we do in his name and on his behalf. This is meeting people's needs. It's love in action. It's one thing to say I love you. It's another thing to show that you love someone. Isn't that right? How many know that sometimes talk's cheap? Right? So if we're going to be men and women of God who are a blessing somewhere and and be the people that when we see someone who is in need, we want to be our, put ourselves in a position to meet that need, that means there's going to have to be some adjustments in how that we live. Isn't that true? For one thing, one thing that um, Terry has said a few times in conversation is you need to start carrying cash with you. Carry cash with you. Because you know what? Lots of people don't carry checkbooks at all anymore. They just carry a debit card. But a debit card you can't give to somebody in need. They can't spend that, isn't that right? But 20 bucks they can do something with. And that means a lifestyle change. I was talking to uh, Trudy the other day, and she was telling me about how, you know, she's getting all excited about being a blessing. Being a blessing. So with the attitude, okay, I have cash now. Who needs it? (laughs) That attitude of looking for somebody that you can be a blessing in too. You know, it's just like we love divine connections and divine encounters. Well, if you are prepared, you have a lot more of those. If you're prepared, you have more of those. You see, sometimes we woke up in the morning, we says, God, I just want to be a blessing to somebody today. Haven't we all done that sometime? Lord, I just want to help somebody today. But you know what? You need to prepare yourself to do that. And prepare yourself can be very simply, you start carrying some cash in your wallet. It's a very simple way. It also means that maybe you strike up a conversation with a total stranger at Walmart. (coughs) Something that's outside of your normal behavior. You begin to look to see who is the person that God is bringing across my path today so I get to be the one that's the blessing. You know, it's a really wonderful thing to be able to know that you have met somebody's need just because you are following the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you have prepared yourself when you are ready to do so. Isn't that right? So start carrying cash, folks. Everybody just needs to start carrying cash. That's all there is to it. You know, um, you're going to find that there's going to be some people that you're going to be moved upon to give to, and you'll be like, oh, praise God, I've got some cash right in my wallet. It's a good thing. The word hospitality, the character trait hospitality, means to cheerfully provide food, shelter, or conversation for the benefit of others. To be hospitable is not just to feed somebody who is hungry who comes to your house or to go out of your way to feed somebody who is hungry, but it also means it's making yourself available for other people. Do you know that some people don't need food? They don't need shelter. Some people need conversation. 
How many of you have ever been in one of those situations where you don't know anybody in the room? We've all done it, right? You don't know anybody. How do you feel? You feel very awkward and very self-conscious as a rule. Isn't that generally what happens? But haven't all of us experienced being able to go up to somebody or having someone come up to us and remove that anxiety from them? You know, you feel so good when somebody talks to you. You don't feel quite as exposed if somebody just steps up and is showing themselves friendly to you. That is being hospitable. That's a kindness to you. There are times I have been in a situation and nobody's talking to me, so I'm talking to somebody because all these people feel the same way. Haven't we all been there? You know how nobody talks in the elevator, you know? But elevators, you know, one thing. But have you ever been in a situation where a group of you were all meeting together for a common purpose, but you didn't know anybody? Everybody is feeling self-conscious. What do I say? What do I do? Be hospitable and strike up a conversation with somebody. You know what? That's extending yourself for the benefit of other people. Now, most people are going, I'm not an extrovert. I don't like to talk to strangers. I don't know what to say. That's called being self-conscious. But to be hospitable is not thinking about your own feelings. It's thinking about somebody else's feelings, right? This is extending ourselves for somebody else. Because if you are also nervous about talking to a stranger, they're probably nervous about talking to you too. Most people have rejection issues. They are afraid that you are criticizing them in your mind. That you think they're stupid, you think they're ugly, you hate their clothes, you know, blah, blah, blah. People's minds work like this. And if you are just kind to somebody and, and pleasant to them, you know, you are able to put their mind at ease. Isn't that a good plan? See, I told you this is pastoral. This is really helping people get along with people and stuff, all right? Conversation, food, or shelter to others. This includes giving comfort. Giving comfort. Comfort in an, awkward, in an awkward situation where somebody's a stranger, that's one aspect of comfort. Um, comfort, sometimes um, you help somebody in the store. You know, somebody has, um, somebody can't find, where are the canned peas or whatever. I've stepped in the middle of conversations just to provide some help for somebody else, you know. They don't have to ask me. I was in a situation the other day, somebody thought I worked there. I didn't work there, but I got the owner for them, you know, because they were standing there looking all awkward, and I thought, well, let me help. <laughs> I can do something, you know, to extend myself so somebody else feels a little bit more at ease. Now, one of the problems is that most people were not trained how to deal in those kind of situations. How many have you ever thought this? Do not raise your hands. <laughs> Okay, just in your mind, you ever thought this or you behaved like, I don't want to go because I don't know anybody. I don't do funerals. They make me sad. I don't go to hospitals. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. Folks, that is not the benefit of other people. That is being self-conscious and self-centered. All right? There have been some times, you have probably experienced this because I've experienced this several times in my life, to where I was going through a crisis or a hard time. My friends disappeared because they did not know what to say or what to do, so they didn't say anything and they didn't do anything. They abandoned me. They weren't trying to hurt me, but they were so insecure themselves, they could not see past their own discomfort to see the pain that I was in. And they figured, well, let the people that know how to do that, let them do that. Folks, nobody knows how to do this. You just do it. All right? How many of you have ever been abandoned like that? Ever been abandoned? Right? It hurts, doesn't it? We have to push past our own discomfort. I don't know what to say. When I had a miscarriage many, many, many years ago, my friends did not know what to say to me. What do you say? Sometimes people say hurtful things, stupid things, don't they? They say things like, oh, you had a miss. 
Yes, very insensitive things. Or what did you do wrong? People, sometimes they just need to shut up and go away, you know, develop a little sensitivity. But I learned some things through the things that I went through, the places of crisis and difficulty that I went through. I learned a little compassion for people who are also going through hard things in life. I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do. And so I'm going to help you out tonight. I'm going to help you out to know what to do so that you'll never again find yourself in a situation of I don't dare say or do something because I don't know what to say or do or I don't want to hurt, I don't want to make it worse, and by there, abandoning your friends. I'm here to tell you that silence and abandonment is about the cruelest thing you can do to another person. Whether your abandonment was intentional or not, it's cruel to abandon people, right? And you, and you just may not, it wasn't trying to hurt them. It still hurts. It still does. When Job had his disasters, and he had a lot of them, what do you say to somebody that loses absolutely everything? in a series of calamities. What do you say? His friends didn't know what to say either. You know, the Bible says they showed up, they wept with him, and nobody spoke for a week. Showing up and crying with somebody, if that's what you want to do, can be very, very comforting. When I did have that miscarriage, the person who comforted me the most was the woman who was going to watch my little boy because Sarah wasn't born yet. She was going to watch him. She came out to the car. We were on our way to the hospital. She held me and she cried. It was comforting to me to have somebody cry with me, you know. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to cry. I'll, I'll look weak or if I start crying, I won't quit. Or, or I, don't, I get nervous around people that cry. Get over yourself. Jesus wept. It's a human emotion. It's, it's actually relieves stress for your tears to fall. Do you know that? They prove that there's chemicals that come out. It actually improves the way you feel. That's why after you have a good cry, you feel better, right? You do. You really do feel better. And so that's fine, you know. So what? Well, I don't want them to cry. I won't know what to say and do. Folks, let them cry if they want to cry. You know what? Just be there for them. Job's friends were there for him. And that's what it is. It's like, even if you're like, I don't know what I'm going to say to these people. I don't have a clue. But are you there? See, I remember who was there. I also remember who was not there. Okay? And I forgive them. But I wanted to learn from this. Okay? To comfort somebody does not mean that you have to give them an explanation or an answer for why this thing happened to them. And please don't say it was God's will. And if your friend asks you why this happened, say, I don't know. No, well, I know it was this. No, you don't. You don't know. You don't, you're not God. You don't have 100% understanding of the situation. When they ask you why this happened, you just say, I don't know. Everybody say that, I don't know. Hey. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that liberating? See, because a lot of times when a person's hurting, they don't want to listen to you anyway. They just want to vent. They just want the emotions to come out. They want to be able to say. They want to be able to cry. And sometimes when people are angry, they cuss. (gasps) They do. They say bad things about God. They vilify everybody they know just because they're hurting. Well, you know what? Good friend will let somebody get past all that. Just let them get past it. Don't lecture them. Yeah, that's, that's something you can write down. Don't <laughs> lecture. I don't know is the answer, and don't lecture. You know, it's not time for a sermon. Not when somebody is hurting. Now, later on, there may be time for a sermon. Later on, there may be time. But when somebody is hurting, they need their need met. It's just like somebody who is hungry. They don't need, if somebody is, I mean, seriously, really hungry, they don't need you to lecture them about how they got in this situation. What they need is a hot meal. Isn't that right? After the meal, then maybe you can talk to them about some stuff. 
Sometimes your friend is just emotionally hurting and you just need to let them cry and let them do what they've got to do. Give them a hug, be there for them. And then later when they've calmed down, then maybe you can talk about the situation. All right? To comfort does not mean you have to give an explanation. To comfort means to bring relief from pain or anxiety. To bring a little relief. Your presence or your kindness can soothe pain or anxiety. Just being there. So therefore, when you're going to be a soothing presence to bring comfort, you're going to listen, let them cry if they want to cry. Don't lecture them. Don't tell them it's God's will, God did it, all that mess. If you need to cry with them, cry with them. You know, sometimes people don't need you to say a thing. They just need you to sit there with them. Just give them a hug. There are sometimes, folks, people, sometimes you say, well, I don't know what to say. I have told people that. I do not know what to tell you now. That is honest communication. I'm sorry this happened. I hate that this happened. I wish it didn't happen. I don't know why, and I don't know what to tell you but I'm your friend and I'm here. That is extremely comforting to somebody. Extremely comforting. See, we're going to be a blessing to people. No more shooting the wounded, right? But being part of a solution, helping people. Now, this is something that uh, you may not know, but do you know that flowers are actually stress reducers? Flowers (laughs) actually calm people down and make them feel better which is why traditionally people give flowers i mean you know when there's grieving when there's sickness when there's whatever flowers actually are stress reducers when i found that out a number of years ago for a long time i bought myself flowers every week (laughs) i said a lot of stress (laughs) so i bring them in they're so pretty and i just love looking at them and and i actually they made me feel better to look at them and yes guys it's fine to love flowers I've talked to several guys that just love getting flowers. I'm like, absolutely. They make you feel better. God invented them, right? They bring comfort. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Love and action. We're going to meet people's needs. Whether we're comfortable doing it or not, we're going to get past ourselves, extend ourselves to someone else. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, if you have been through something similar, you're able to really step in to somebody's shoes and comfort them, aren't you? When you, if, how many people have ever been fired? Wow, the rest of you wait, you're getting your turn, I guess. The, the, the rule is most people have been fired and, and many people have been fired more than once. But getting fired is a painful thing that happens. It, it, it usually just shocks you, surprises you, hurts your feelings. And then, particularly for a lot of people, particularly men, it hits them right in their ego and their self-worth being fired. It is a very painful thing to go through. Having been fired, I know what that feels like. I can comfort somebody who's been fired. And you know what good friends does? Good friend gets on your side and says, well, that lousy company didn't need you anyway, right? (laughs) Yeah, get in there, you know. Uh, It was so funny. Um, As you know, uh, Sarah is a dancer and and uh, when she was in high school and she was on the um, in the dance team there and and she could she really can do those high kicks just like Laura can do those high kicks way up high and and, um, and there was a couple times that I would be upset complaining about some situation with somebody she'd say mom you want me to kick them in the head for you <laughs> and I would get this visual picture of this high kick <laughs> <laughs> it brought me some comfort, what can I say? <laughs> you know, it made us laugh a little bit, but we felt a little bit better, you know? Um, 
one time I got a phone call uh, from someone who has who was just told the nastiest thing. Somebody just said a really rude, completely uncalled for remark to him. And, and when I heard it, I just got so indignant. How dare they? And I went on a rant. How dare they? Blah, blah, blah. Do you know by the time we get through, she's laughing. She's feeling so much better about herself because I jumped to her defense. And it wasn't planned. It was just like, I thought, well, they're a moron. Who says that kind of thing? To, where do, who raised them? Nobody talks like that. And I just went off for a while. It brought comfort. <laughs> you know? Made her feel better. You see? Just is what we can do, our part. We can do something to extend to somebody else. Now, if somebody is going through something that you have never been through and you don't know what that's like, please don't pretend that you do. Please don't pretend. If you have not been through that particular type of crisis or pain or difficulty, you don't know what it feels like. You may think you understand. You may have a good picture. But until you've been there, how many know it's not the same thing? You don't really know. And so... If you're faced with a situation, your friend is going through something, and you just, I don't even, I don't know, never been through it. You know what? You can always say that. I have never been through what you're experiencing right now. I really don't know what it's like. I do understand, if you can say something similar, I know what it's like to have my feelings hurt. I know what it's like to be abandoned. I know what it's like to be in a hospital. I know what it's like to be fired. Any list of things, if you can find something that's kind of common ground and say, I do understand somewhat, but I don't understand exactly what you're going through right now. Folks, you don't have to. Just be in the friend and let them tell you all about it. And they want to tell you, well, this is what it feels like. It really sucks if this happened and that happened. Let them tell you because you don't know what it's like. You know, it's being a listening ear, a shoulder for somebody. You know, that does so much more than just giving them a speech or quoting them a verse. There's a place to quote a verse. But you know what? A lot of times Christians have misused the Word of God. Instead of it being a source of comfort to people, they've used it like a hammer to beat people up with. You know, and we need to be following the Father's God's footsteps, who is the God of all comfort right and to help people so if you're not in if you don't really relate to this situation ask yourself can you relate to this pain on some level on some level you know uh, I've never been divorced however I have been abandoned by someone who I thought loved me okay so I have been through that I have had my heart broken there are certain things we can say well I, I do relate on some level to you but you know recognize your limitations also when they are telling you how they feel do not minimize their feelings it can't be that bad you don't know you don't know what level that's hit them on and sometimes we have hurt our friends because we didn't realize they were hurting as deeply as they were. We thought it was okay. It wasn't that big of a deal because we weren't sensitive or sympathetic to them. Okay? A person who is offering comfort, remember, is extending for the benefit of somebody else. So that means we're going to need to listen and understand and find out where people are so we can have an appropriate response. You know, Jesus fed the hungry crowd. You know, there was 5,000 of them. They hadn't eaten in three days. He knew they were hungry. So he went and he met their need. But you know what? If they'd all just come back, you know, from Pizza Hut or something, you know, it, his, his you know, providing a meal would have been inappropriate. So we want to find out, locate where people are at so that we can give the comfort that we need to give them. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. You know, we've already had so many people have commented on what a wonderful group of people that we've got here at the church. And, but you know what? We need to go over and above. We need to excel in these areas of genuine love because there are so many people, they, they don't see love coming through the church. They don't see it coming through Christians. 
and we see a lot of people in the church, our, our society has pushed, is trying to squeeze us into the mold to where you just run off and go do your own thing and live your own life and, you know, don't be bothered with those people down there. And what's happening is the, the, it's not an accurate description of the family of God or the body of Christ. You know, we are coming out of the world and we are put into a household of faith, right? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. No longer walking like the Gentiles. How the Gentiles walk. How do unbelievers walk? Every man for himself, right? Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. That's how the world operates. You know, and if you see somebody's down, you climb on top of them to get yourself up higher. But what does the word say? It says we are fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. That is every last one of us in our relationships with one another, we're able to supply things for one another. And the illustration uh, of being the human body, you know, your foot has to be connected to your leg by your ankle, right? Suppose the blood decided it didn't want to go that far down. What would happen to your foot? It would die, wouldn't it, okay? There is that which every joint is to, to supply. And I'm not supposed to supply to every individual in body Christ, but I am supposed to supply to those whom I have connection with, right? And there are people that are in my life and your life that are absolute divine connection that we are meant to have a flow of resources, a flow of comfort. There are people that are in our lives for that purpose, right? So since we are in the body of Christ, fitted and joined together, that also implies that you and I need to be participating in that joining together, participating in that opening our eyes and developing those relationships to the people who are all around us. You know what? Some folks consider themselves to be very private, and they don't want to bug people with their stuff. They don't want anybody to know what's going on in their lives. Probably the base of that is probably a root of rejection. Afraid that somebody's going to find out that you're not perfect, that you've got issues, and then reject you. Well, look, y'all, everybody's got issues. Jesus died for sinners, right? Everybody's got issues. But we, as the body of Christ, we're meant to nurture and supply things for one another. Because why? Because God's called us to be a blessing to other people. Okay? Now, I have told some people a few times over the years is I don't want to hear that you're eating cat food. I don't want to hear that you had your electricity shut off. I don't want to hear if you are hurting, you need to be telling somebody. Don't wait for them to get a word of knowledge. This, this requires humility on your part. Right? And I'm not saying you got to stand up and you know broadcast the church and you know I'm not saying that, but I'm saying let somebody know. Let somebody know. There was one time several years ago, I had a lady in our church. She went to the hospital and didn't tell anybody. Had surgery. Didn't want us to be bothered. Didn't want us to be bothered. You know, I felt like, oh, it's time for an adjustment, you know. It's like somebody needs to know what's going on in your life. This means, folks, we all have to be building relationships with other people so that none of us are alone. Because, you know, it could be that God has selected a certain individual to meet your need, and they don't know that you have a need, you know. And sometimes I've had people come to me, and they'll say, I want to supply, you know, a financial need for somebody in the church. Do you know who needs anything? And sometimes they're like, I don't care who it is. Don't tell me. I just want to bless somebody in the church. And so I've been in a position where because I knew somebody let me know, I was able to direct some funds their way, you know. 
Y'all understand there's a balance in this. There's a place of, you know, you go to God, God's your source. But on the other hand, as a family, one with another, nobody should be alone in any kind of a struggle or challenge that they are facing in their lives. All right? Let's look on continuing in verse 22. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, we understand that because... We are being challenged right here to put aside the former manner of life and to put off the old and take on the new. This means our minds have to be adjusted, right? We have to do some deliberate reprogramming. And for some of us, it's going to deliberately mean altering your natural tendency. Your natural tendency to keep everything to yourself and don't let somebody in, you're going to have to alter that because the Bible says here we are members one of another. You see, there's a difference between a Hebraic culture and a Greek culture. A Greek culture is by so much of what Western civilization is built upon, and a Greek culture is very much prizes individualism, every man for himself, himself kind of thinking. The Hebraic culture, what privacy? They don't know about privacy. Your business is my business. Think about this. You know what happens when they get married in the Hebraic culture? or at least they used to in Bible days, while a young couple is over the other side of the tent flap for the very first time alone together, everybody else is on the other side, waiting. <laughs> waiting. Waiting for proof that the act has, that has been consummation. The groom brings out the sheet with the blood on it. Talk about no privacy, folks. All right, that's a little bit much. You can imagine your mother-in-law is sitting there on the other side of the tent flap. Not even heavy door, y'all. Tent flap. <laughs> y'all understand? That's intimacy. That's we know what's going on. And in a lot of the, the cultures over there in the, in the Far East like that, they know the people, the household servants, know when the wife is pregnant before she does. Because they are that much intimate with her cycle and what's going on inside that house. Some of y'all are appreciating those heavy doors, aren't you? <laughs> and locks in the door. We're appreciating some of that stuff. <laughs> but you know, you know, thank God we're not embracing all of that. But on the other hand, <laughs> we're not. I'm not advocating that at all. But on the other hand, folks, sometimes you are too private. And you need to get over yourself. Let us in. Let us into your life. Let us know what's going on. Right. <laughs> okay. A renewed mind with a new attitude. It's a biblical mindset of community rather than isolationism. Now let's think about this. We're going to need to purposely, deliberately building more relationships. There are two reasons that you and I need to be building more relationships. One is that that way you have someone to call when you're hurting, in trouble, facing a challenge or whatever. You got somebody to call. The second reason is so they have somebody to call. How many of you have ever had somebody call you when they were hurting and didn't satisfy a place in your heart? Oh, they called me. Thank you for letting me know. Right? And then some people are like, well, nobody told me. Well, build some relationships. Build some relationships to where people will want to tell you or they'll be in that place where they can tell you. Another thing is about building more relationships is I went through a season a number of years ago in which I realized that the devil was trying to cut me off from people. I was facing a situation that I needed to talk to somebody. I needed some wise counsel. I started going down my list of friends that I could talk to. 
this one's out of the country, that one's in the hospital, that one is, you know, incommunicado right now. I started going down the list. Everybody that I normally would have called and talked to was suddenly not available to me. You know what I decided? I have to add to my list. I've got to bring some more people in my life. Because you know what? Sometimes the ones you usually call, they're not there. Then what are you going to do? You need to have somebody else growing in your life. I'm not saying that you've got to be best friends with everybody in the world because that's not possible and it's not healthy. But there's enough relationships that are growing, that are healthy in your life, that you've got somebody that you can tell some things to. And they need somebody to talk to as well. Sometimes, if you are the more extroverted person, go to the one who is withdrawn and be a friend to them to where they begin to trust you and let their defenses begin to fall, right? And guard the things they're told you so that they'll relax with you a little bit and that way you'll be a safe place for them for the next time they need somebody to talk to. This is good pastoral stuff. We are eating it up. Good spinach. We like it. Yes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Let's look at that. You see, we're joined together in one body. We're family together. I love that when we celebrate one another's victories and successes and praise reports. Those things are awesome. And when somebody is going through a tough time or hurting, you know, our hearts are concerned. We're compassionate. We want to reach out and help people. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, let's start with verse 9. You probably hear this at lots of weddings. But it really has application for what I'm talking about. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the, uh, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. I'm going to challenge some of you guys to, especially married people. Sometimes married people, the only friend they've got is their spouse. Folks, you've got to develop some other friendships besides the one that you're married to. What's going to happen is at some point, life is going to happen and your spouse is not going to be either in a position or available to talk to you. And you need to have somebody else in your life. Not that you've got to be best friends with everybody again. But have you got friendships that are growing and developing to where there is somebody else you can talk to? You know? And it may be, you know, it may be that you're in an environment to where you don't meet new people. You know, you don't have, you know, opportunity. Then you're going to have to work a little bit harder. Invite some folks over for dinner sometime. Reach out to somebody else. Meet your new neighbors across the street or something. But find somebody, not just for evangelism purposes, but for friendship purposes. Your very best friend you've ever met in your life might be moving in next door. I've had phenomenal people move in close nearby, you know. But if we had never extended ourselves to get to know them, we would have missed out on all that stuff. All right. And you know what? We've got awesome people in this church. Awesome people in this church. Make sure you got friends with five or six or seven of them, you know, at least. Start to get to know some people, some awesome testimonies, some tremendous hearts and gifts that are here, all right? And sometimes you don't see that because most people are introverted and quiet, you know, and if you're not up here doing something, you know, where you're the center of attention, then people maybe not necessarily know what all is going on inside of you. But we've got some awesome people here in this church, and I encourage you to get to know everybody. Let's look now. Well, you don't have to turn there, but the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 27, that there would be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You know, the word is instructing us to have the same care for one another. As the scripture I was reading in Matthew, Jesus says, when you did this for the least of my brothers, you did this for somebody just because it belonged to the Lord, 
The Lord takes it personal. When you offered that car ride or you offered that shoulder to cry on or whatever you did to extend yourself in Jesus' name as his example, it was as though you did it for the Lord. And he takes that, you know, he, he takes great pleasure in that and there is reward in that. We're demonstrating the very love of God. You know, you think about it. We look at the example of Jesus. How many times that Jesus extended himself to be an answer for somebody else's solution? He was there to listen. He was there to solve their problems. He was there to meet their needs, to make them feel better, to protect them. Whatever people needed, he extended themselves. And he didn't need to do it just, you know, for himself. He inconvenienced himself to be a blessing to other people. Sometimes, folks, somebody needs to talk, and you really don't want to listen. Sometimes they need you, and you are going to be inconvenienced in order to listen, you know? There's some situations that I know that I just need to sit there and just go, uh-huh, that's right, uh-huh, tell me about it. I'm not really contributing anything to the conversation, but this person needs desperately to talk to somebody. So, you know, consider it a sacrifice. I'm going to go. I'm going to be somebody who can listen so I can provide comfort for somebody else. Amen? You know, what affects the individual affects the whole. When one of our people is suffering, all of our hearts are being pulled. We all feel that. When one person is rejoicing, we're all excited. In the Hebraic culture, the Christian culture, what one person does does affect everybody else. And so that's why so many times I've talked to you about the need for a corporate pull, you know, corporate worship, corporate prayer, corporate pulling on faith and the presence of God, pulling on the anointing. You know, all that we're doing together as a whole, you know, it goes against that individual cultural culture thing that's going on in our country. You know, well, you know, I can arrive late and leave early. It doesn't make any difference what I do because, you know, I don't hold a microphone. It doesn't really matter. No, it matters. It matters because what one person does affects all. You know, and it can be that as you are extending yourself to pull in faith and believe God, you know, maybe it's your faith that's getting the miracle for somebody sitting across the row from you because you're making a demand. You're pulling. And it says, you're sitting, and if you're watching, you know, somebody's up here, and they're laying hands upon people, and they're, they're praying for, and you're not really doing anything, engage your faith. Intercede. Believe God for them. And pick up the slack wherever it needs to be. This is comfort one for another. You know, sometimes I've been in situations to where, you know, the guest minister had ministered at length, and, and um, they're wrapping up the service, and they're going home. But I'm seeing somebody sitting over here on the side who is still hurting. Somebody who did not get their need met. You know, I don't have to be, you know, the, the woman of faith and power with the solution. I can go be a friend to somebody and just comfort them. Let me just sit here with you a minute. Can I just pray with you? You know, maybe they don't even tell you what's going on. But you can extend yourself to relieve their pain and anxiety and make them feel a little bit better. Amen. Amen. This is called being part of the body of Christ. This is why we're talking about discipleship these days. It's getting us to where we're not living like the Gentiles, just taking care of ourselves and nobody else. But we're extending ourselves as the body of Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. That means... A brother in Christ is meant to be there to share your burdens. That's what we're here, folks. We are here for one another. Now, if you're not extending yourself out and you haven't told anybody, then don't feel sorry for yourself if nobody's comforting you. Sometimes, folks, we don't need just to get a word of knowledge about it. You know, I get a little frustrated with that. Well, if you'd have known, well, I think, well, if you'd have told me, you know, sometimes I got, I mean, sometimes, y'all, I have other things on my mind, okay? Sometimes I really do. And sometimes I am insensitive. And lots of times I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just sometimes on overload, you know? And I'll tell you right now, if I'm being insensitive to you, tell me, stop, listen, 
Let me know. Because then I can res- respond in the correct way, right? Will y'all do that? I will. Okay. All right. A brother is to share troubles. We've got brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ right here that will come up under you and support you. We've had people, they will get in their car and drive to your house to pray at your house. Get in their car. They will stay an hour behind service to pray with you, to encourage you, to build you up. They will call their friends and have them do the same. They will send you notes in the mail. They will send you wonderful emails. They will bring presents to you. We got all kinds of people in this church do things like that to comfort and to make you feel better. You know what, folks? It is our destiny to be a blessing for somebody else. This is what we're called for. You know what? God doesn't need us in heaven. He needs us right here. Being a blessing for folks right here, right now. So let's just determine we're going to build some relationships. Let somebody in our hearts. Let them know what's going on. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 16 to 18, it says, We know love by this, that he laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in needs and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children... Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Right? Which means to say, talk's cheap. If we're going to love people, let's let them know that we love them. We give them our money, but let's give them our time. Sometimes they need your time more than anything else. Right? Well, I'm busy. How many of you have ever had somebody stop what they were doing to spend time with you because you needed it? Amen. Amen. Father God, we want to be accurate representations of your heart and of the kingdom of God. Father, we want our love to be in deed and in truth, that our love is not just words, but it is love that is really in action. Lord, we really do want to be a blessing to other people, to give them whatever it is that they need, the comfort to relieve their pain and anxiety to encourage them, to rise to their defense. And Father, I also pray that you would make us to where we are, we are able to, our hearts are sensitive to what's going on with people so we can step in and be that person to supply that need. I also ask, Lord God, for all of us who are nervous about opening up and letting people in because maybe we're afraid of getting hurt or we're afraid of being betrayed or whatever else that is going on. I ask you, Lord God, that you would provide us with those one or two people begin to come into our lives to where those people, we would feel that our hearts could begin to trust them. Would you bring us, Lord, somebody in our lives that we could begin to open up to and give us the courage to begin to step out in that kind of relationship. Father, I thank you for the work that you are doing, that, Lord, that you are truly causing us to grow up into all things in Christ Jesus. Our minds are being renewed. We're being transformed. We're not going to walk like the Gentiles. But we're choosing to be a blessing to other people. In Jesus' name, amen.